Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast as we move ever closer to episode number 100. I believe we're up to 96 today. So um, four more episodes. Uh, if you check out on the site, we have a place where you can give us some ideas for what to do. Since we were contemplating doing 100 minutes of dead air, but mm, how much are we going to ask Steve to do? You know, bad joke. Never mind. Kidding. Love you, Steve. Miles, you're here. Yes, I am here. And I just had a thought. It's the reverse nice episode. <laughs> That's a thinker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you did it. Not bad. It's late and it's uh, hot for both of us, I've ascertained. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this without my air conditioning so you can hear me better. But I'll slowly be going mad. As Miles learned off air as I was talking about a couple of things that I had seen slash am seeing slash I'm about to see and consistently was confusing two names to the point where it was it probably would have been funny to hear but embarrassing enough that I'm glad it was recorded uh, coming here and recording this uh, like I would say two hours after seeing nope so I'll talk about that in a little bit um, spoiler free for you guys I will ruin it all for miles that's, that's how we do things um Several questions to get through, and Miles saw a couple of things. Um, quickly, we'll mention the response to the video game podcast was quite good. So I'm, oh, nice. I'm glad. Uh, I think people just like the the slight difference in in format because also, we, you know, we chat about it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we'll do that again. Probably not for several months, but I would say the next like big triple A game that like we both play, maybe we'll do like a check in on that. Yeah, that'd be cool. I don't know that there is one necessarily like on the horizon that makes sense. I wish there was like like Uncharted Five or something like that. I, I don't even know if that's yeah. the right number. I don't I mean the last one pretty thoroughly ended the franchise, but I feel like that's a game that is inherently like playing a good movie. So that oh, would be kind of sure. cool to talk about. And maybe also, like a maybe like a God of War Ragnarok at the end of the year or something like that. Maybe. I I, I didn't love the last one, but I also didn't hate it. I just I had I had rented it. I had done the GameFly thing, hmm. and they have like they make it seem like the game's not super long, and then you get to a point where you're like, oh no, I basically just am starting now, and yeah. I didn't really want to do the like forty extra hours, so I I kind of moved on. Though it also another another game with like it's like in Thor with the with the head on someone's back, right? Don't you have like the severed head of something throughout the game with you was like, uh, yeah, I can't remember his name, but yeah, you have a guy who like, he's attached to your belt and he just makes like, he's like a Scottish guy and he just like makes like snarky commentary throughout. It's pretty great. Yeah. I, 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 a little bit of that went a long way in the game, but I would be interested. We'll see. Um, we'll see what else works for that. But yeah, we will return to the gaming world periodically because we like to, um, but let's do some questions first, and then we'll talk about what Miles recently saw. One of the things I I talked about also, so we can sort of go back and forth on that, and then we'll we'll do nope at the end, just even though there's no spoilers, in case someone is like very adamant that they don't know anything about it. Which, I mean, I saw the movie, and I don't know that I know everything about it, but kind of comes with the territory. Um, first up, Ryan McDermott says, uh, 
we get plenty of bonus points for his allegiance to The Last of Us Part Two, and it's significantly higher than his allegiance to Jimmy Stewart. He just wanted to make that clear. <laughs> um, since we kind of... We had like four tricks. Jimmy Stewart movies in his top ten. Like, you know, no shade, but that's, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, his, uh, his exact quote is, luckily my allegiance to The Last of Us Part Two is significantly higher than my allegiance to Jimmy Stewart. So you guys still get plenty of bonus points last episode. So woo, we're keeping track. Nice. Uh, his question this week is, Film Hawk face off his top tens for 2021 versus 2020. OK. Um, you can't get, you can't escape this one. Uh, number 10, The Last Duel of the Father. <laughs> OK, I'm going to get around to watching The Father. I swear I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm if only to answer these stuff. questions. <laughs> Yeah, well, apparently I need to. Um, so, yeah, I can't speak to that. But I really did like The Last Duel, so easy choice. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I I like them both about the same. I guess I would rewatch The Last Duel sooner. The father is, uh, is a big ask. Um, the Last Duel, at least, Affleck is a, is a riot. You know, it's, it's pretty heavy otherwise. But I will, I will never stop quoting, welcome, take your pants off. <laughs> um, it's just the epitome of he knows the assignment. I mean, he wrote the movie, but did he did he did he know which role to take of the three? Jesus. Um, number nine, the power of the dog or birds of prey. Oh, well, that's an One interesting contrast. <laughs> haven't thought of in a long time. Um, yeah, we talked a lot about the power of the dog last year. I respect it and admire the filmmaking behind it but it just never clicked for me even on multiple rewatches um so i i'm just accepting that that's one that i'm never gonna love as much as everyone else uh birds of prey is pretty good uh it's not great it's definitely it's it's right in the middle of uh margot robbie's harley quinn trilogy not as good as the suicide squad but so much better than suicide squad um I guess between the two, I probably got more enjoyment out of Birds of Prey, so I think I'm going to go there. That's fair. I, I would argue it's probably the more enjoyable film. I, Power of the Dog is the much better film. It's weird. That's that's so the film that I would be the one to go. I appreciate it, but it just didn't do anything for me. Like, so much of it is that type of film I've learned over the years. And I, I don't know why that one clicked for me, but uh, it was, I guess, to Netflix's benefit that it did. Um so I'm going to go Power of the Dog, but Birds of Prey, not a bad film by any stretch. Kind of highs and lows, I guess. Like, I, it's it's faded from memory a lot, but certain things are, are memorable. I, I Like, the sniffing cocaine to have a fight scene was kind of cool. There was, yeah, there was well, good stuff they, in They it. very much turned it into, like, DC Deadpool light kind yeah. of thing. And I think I remember the action scenes being very well done and it's got a sense of like personality and vivaciousness and poppiness to it. That was a nice change of pace for DC at the time. Yeah. At the time it was, it was the right film at the time. Um, number eight, drive my car or beanpole. Beanpole. Beanpole is a Russian film that I have seen and is a, uh, Ryan likes depressing films, let me just tell you. Yeah. Except for well, I mean, It's a Wonderful Life, apparently. Yeah, I mean, but listen, Drive My Car or Beanpole is... I mean, I guess Drive My Car is not, like, overtly depressing. I wouldn't no. be uplifting at the same time. Well, I think Drive My Car represents a very broad range of emotion, but it's yeah. all played in a more subtle register. Um, stoicism as, as emotion. Yeah, I mean, I can't choose Beanpole because I've never heard of it. 
and also Drive My Car was my favorite film of last year. So this one's kind of a no brainer for me. It did help. Um, I saw Beanpole at 2019's New York Film Festival, I want to say. It is, um, I believe, if I remember correctly, the filmmaker, um, whose name I won't even attempt, is quite young. Um, He is 30, so he made the film in his mid-20s, which is quite something. It's a very, like, dark, uh, kind of oppressive film. It's like... Post-World War II, I think it's Leningrad. I should probably just look this up as opposed to going off the top of my head. Well, here, I'll I'll look it up because I haven't heard of it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, From what I remember, it's a a woman who's a nurse. She's very – she's like a tall drink of water. That's why she's beanballed. That's her name. But there's like – she accidentally smothers a kid at one point. Oh, Jesus. And like that's pretty early on in the film. It's, okay, 19, it's, it's 1945 wrong. Leningrad, World War II has devastated the city, demolishing its buildings, leaving its citizens in tatters physically and mentally. Two young women search for meaning and hope in the struggle to rebuild their lives amongst the ruins. Well, that sounds like a laugh riot. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, it's also two hours and like 10 minutes long. It was, uh, it was the epitome of I appreciate it. Did I enjoy it? Not a bit. Uh, drive my car. I'm on record being like it kind of bounced off me, but I, I, I understand why everyone went wild over it. It, it wasn't for lack of um, what was on the screen. I just I also think I watched it about as unideally as possible on a screener link like post midnight on a computer, like sitting on my, my ex's couch. Like there were different ways to watch that movie. That is not the ideal way. So I will I, I kind of own that one. But now I have the Criterion Blu-ray so I can correct that. There you go. Yeah. Uh, number seven, Mass or The Invisible Man? Um, I still haven't seen Mass either. Uh, I want I mean, to. I'm I just, just gonna, never see it streaming anywhere. I about to say, I'm just going to make that the, the face-off for one week. Like, that and The Father. You just have to watch and figure it out. Yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. Well, I think The Father might be on Hulu or something, right? Um, Let's, let's look. Well, here, while you're looking... um. I have not seen Mass, so I can't choose it. Um, stars in Hulu. Oh, but it's going to be one of those you need to have stars to... Uh, I hate that. Probably. But I think Hulu, um, if you have Hulu, you can watch it. I think you can watch Mass on Hulu as well. Oh, well, okay. Well, I'll well, try you and go. get around just, to it. Just sit on Hulu one day and, and slit your wrists. Yeah, great. Um, I, I do want to see it because it looks like something I would enjoy, even if it's it'll be difficult to sit through. Um but that said, I really, really enjoyed The Invisible Man. I think it's one of the stronger, sort of straightforward horror films that have come out in the past few years. Probably the best film based on a universal horror monster in like the past few decades. Like yeah. since The Mummy, maybe? Well, then I hope for The Wolfman. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, no, I, it's just really compelling and well shot, and well acted. And yeah, so Invisible Man for me. Um, I'll go Mass, but I like both of them quite a bit. I'm. You know, hard to say you enjoy mass, but it's it's an acting clinic. And the Invisible Man is is, I think the the right way to do a metaphor horror film, without it being like it's not elevated horror. It's not trying. To no, be not at all. That, but I think it's it's as close as you can get while still being like thoroughly ma- mainstream and and almost dumb. And that's not a bad thing. Like I kind of like when my horror is a little dumb, just because you you need a you need a dumb character here or there. 
you know, you need your security guard who's going to get like his, his neck slashed and like shot in that in that like kind of third act like bloodbath in that yeah. movie. Otherwise, you're at a some at a certain point you're just doing tension, and yeah. and you need to break the tension at some point. However, well, you choose to do it. it, it threads the line between being classy and trashy very effectively. Exactly, which I feel like a good horror film should do. I think yeah. too too much in either direction, and you're you're almost. Like if you're only trashy, you kind of have to be in on the joke. Yeah, which and which there are great movies that have done that, and I think totally. same with classy. There's some like super art housey ones that work quite well. Yeah, I think there's a the audience is very split on those things. I feel like the person who watches Hostel, let's say, just because Hostel Part Two was on TV a couple of days ago and I watched it again, mm. you know, that's that's very much Eli Roth is very good at trashy. Like yeah. he likes trash. Not in like trashes and quality, but like that sort of like grindhouse aesthetic, and he does it a specific way. And and if you don't like that, it's an awful movie. If you like it, you see what he's doing, and you may wish some of the characters were a little better developed, and that the sequel wasn't kind of just the same movie, gender swapped. But there's enough there to enjoy. Whereas, you know, think of the most highbrow horror film of late. You know, whatever I, you want it to be. Why well, I'm almost thinking something like Audition, where sure. it's like very. I, I, mean, I would argue Audition is is. I mean, it turns what, trashy towards the end, but the majority of it is very like artfully put together. Yeah, I'm thinking almost like let's just say Midsummer, Midsummer, for example. Like if you want, sure, Eli Roth, and you get that, you're spending a lot of time waiting and 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 sort of hoping for for something to happen. And the two don't always meet very well. I think the Invisible Man is a good version of like either side could get something out of it. That's kind of the long-winded yeah. thing I was getting at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Uh, which is to say, I would actually, I would, I would wonder what an Eli Roth like elevated horror thing would be like because he's got the skills to do it. It's just he not does, but level. does he have the temperament? I mean, no. But it would be like so. You know how you know how everyone kind of takes issue with Hereditary gets becomes a horror film for like 15 minutes at the end i um, mean i would argue anyone watching hereditary would say that it was a horror film throughout but go wait, ahead. i mean like it like it changes it, it very much changes it, ve- it very much goes watching. down a, a a certain category of horror at the yeah. end for sure and and if you're and and someone like me who like wasn't loving it as much as most i kind of like that that okay here's here's something different if you're loving that movie i understand why people sort of side when that happened oh this is what's happening now i thought we were building to a little bit more i feel like that's what eli roth would do like he would do his ari aster movie but that would be times 10 in the last like third well i think he would do the last third as the whole movie but at that point is it even that kind of thing i mean i i like all of hereditary that that's one of my favorite horrors in recent memory but we're getting off topic that's fair i'll watch it again one day um watch it's gonna be is it on this list no um next up i'm gonna i'm gonna throw it out there i haven't seen either of these um oh. i know of them but uh he ryan has found some of my uh international uh holes you know full full disclosure when you see as many films as i do you have to periodically not see things and a lot of times if you don't wind up on the short list for international feature I, uh, you, you kind of move down on, on my priority list, not for lack of quality, or sometimes it's just, if I'm at a festival, you just, I, I can't do everything. 
So uh, these are his number sixes. It's the Summit of the Gods or Better Days. Yep, I, I got nothing on either. I mean, I know them. I know of them, and I know they're quite good. But they are uh, just two films that I have not gotten to. Some of the gods I almost watched. Not that that helps in any way, shape, or form. But it was uh, it was a Netflix film, so that okay. also, and also ninety minutes, so that helped. Um, but I don't remember why I didn't watch it. I just I know I hadn't, and I didn't feel like lying. So whoops, sorry, Ron, you win. Uh, number five, The Green Knight or One Night in Miami. Oh, well, two night films in a roundabout way. Yeah. Um, The Green Knight is one that I probably do have to go back to at one point because I was so excited for it. And then like it just it never quite clicked into gear for me. I kept waiting for it to get going and I never felt like it did. I, li- I was very I like- surprised I liked it more than you. Yeah, I was stunned because I knew you had very little interest going in by comparison. But then I just, I don't know, like the imagery is great and the performances are great, but something about it never quite, I don't know. I just never really connected with it. But maybe I'll give it another shot one day. One Night in Miami, I believe, was in my top three of the year it came out. I'm a big, big fan of it. Um, So, So yeah, I got to go with that one. Yeah. Though I do, I do remember, did, no, Steve, I, 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 one of you at one point talked about wondering if it would still be as high on the revisit. It might have been Steve, because we were, when we were doing one of these lists from, I think when we did your list from... Uh, oh, talking about One Night in Miami? Yeah, that like, would it have held up I mean, about it now? I For me, it does, but also like... You know, it's at number three, because that's 2020, right? It's number three on that list. Number two is Freaky. So, you know, we didn't exactly have a plethora of options in 2020. So I think given what we had, that one sort of rose above for me in a way that not a lot of other films did. Understandable. I, uh, yeah, I'll I'll go The Green Knight. Even though they're both, they're both good. They're both very similar. I just, I I would be curious. Are they similar? In terms of how much I like them. Oh, okay, sure. No, in terms of movie, they're completely different. I just meant, like, if I was going to revisit one, I don't know that my opinion of One Night in Miami would change. I am curious That's what fair. I would think of The Green Knight. Maybe I'll like it even more because I know what I'm getting myself into. Maybe I wouldn't like it as much because the the initial, like, interest that I didn't have that was kind of, like, filled up by watching the movie. I, I don't know. It was such a, a unique experience. So what actually makes me wonder, like, I have no interest in that game Elden Ring. But I also wonder, because it's kind of that kind of vibe, maybe I'll love it because I just don't care. Who's to say? Um, Number four, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy or The Man Standing Next? Uh, I know Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy is the same director as uh, Drive My Car, but I have not seen it. And I have not even heard of the other one. Ryan, you're Um, you're stumping me good this week. Is it also an, uh, an Asian, a bit of Asian cinema? So uh, we know we know the types of films he seems to like. I I started Wheel of Fortune Fantasy and didn't finish it, so I won't count it. Um, but I was I did enjoy it when I was watching in the same way. That, well, enjoy in the same way that like okay, this is objectively good cinema. I know Robert really likes it more so than Drive My Car. I think mm. might have been his number one. I know it was on it was on his list. I believe. Um, I promise you'll you'll have seen the rest of the films. Okay, um, good. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, number three, Pig or Nomadland? Okay. Yeah, I've seen both of these. Yeah, Nomadland is one that I liked well enough. I definitely 
didn't have a bad experience watching it and you know one best picture and i was kind of like yeah that's fine but again only because lack of alternatives um pig is one though that really resonated with me i think it's one of nick cage's best performances full stop it's one that like i really you know like a good meal or something like that you just sort of you just sort of chew on it over time and you sort of you know let it simmer and you know let let it percolate in your mind a little bit. And I think it's one that sort of really holds up over time. So pig all the way. hundred um, percent. I, I listen, I don't hate Nomadland. I thought it was quite good, but wouldn't have been my vote for best picture. And is closer to that movie that you watch once and just never go back to pig. I, I will revisit periodically. I was delighted to like show it to my ex when we watched it just because, I think there's something about knowing what that movie's about when someone else doesn't that makes the watch very interesting. Because for all the money you think it's going to be a, a taken, you know, a John Wick, like that kind of like, oh, he's doing like a like a like an older guy action movie, and you're like, sure, sure he is. And there's nothing better than than watching when someone realizes, oh, this is a meditation on grief. Like this is the movie that we're watching. It's it's kind of a magic trick. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know if that was intentional or if we all just brought that assumption to it because there have been so many movies like that. But either way, it's it. kind it's kind of a brilliant sort of sleight of hand where you're very much going in expecting one thing and it turns into something very different. Well, I mean, I think that like underground Fight Club thing kind of like makes you think, oh, I must be right about this, and then it immediately resolves itself, and you go, oh. Okay, well, we're going somewhere else. I also love on, um, I forget which podcast it was. I think it was, it's um, the podcast I listened to about video games. One of the co-hosts, Nick Weiger, also does Doughboys, the one about chain restaurants. And mm-hmm. they did an episode on Pig. And I believe he said he goes to the same barber as the director. And, oh. and the barber had said something about like, oh, that guy, you know, he's making this movie. I don't remember if he was like, oh, he doesn't think it's going well or he's not convinced it's going to be a success or something like that. I just love that. Michael Sarnowski kind of wrapped that movie and went, well, no one's going to watch this. And now he's doing a Quiet Place movie. Exactly. It's kind of awesome. Uh, number twos, Nightmare Alley or The Assistant? Um, I did not see The Assistant. I need to get around to it. I'm familiar with it, and I've seen the the Matthew McFadden scene, but um, yeah. I haven't seen it, uh, the rest of it. Um. <sighs> I mean, I guess I have to pick Nightmare Alley by default, but I don't know. I wonder if I did see The Assistant, I would probably like it more. Nightmare Mm -hmm. Alley is one that I really wanted to like. I mean, I'm a huge Guillermo del Toro fan. You know, it's visually stunning and it's got such an impressive cast. But outside of Kate Blanchett, they're kind of mostly wasted. And, you know, we talked about it before. I think it's just it's a little too well made and it's way too long for what it is. And it's you need something sort of grittier and grimier i think del toro would have taken the exact same material and made a much better movie out of it if he did it earlier in his career as opposed to like after winning best picture because it kind of just has that sheen of quality about it that like works against the subject matter give me eli roth's nightmare alley yeah sure i think that would probably be more interesting yeah um yeah i'll go the assistant i mean i don't ever need to watch it again because it's a deeply upsetting film but it was uh, – it's very effective to the point where I'm, I'm, I'm not 
any less curious about She Said, which we got a trailer for um, last week. But it is interesting to watch a movie kind of take that person head on as opposed to The Assistant, which is clearly about this person but just never names them and also lets it kind of be the institution in a way. Um, Nightmare Alley, there's, there's good parts. And it's, like you said, incredibly well made. And it's not unenjoyable. It's just, it's impossible not to watch and go, this should be a lot better. Yeah, like, you, similar to how I felt about The Green Knight, you keep waiting for it to sort of kick into gear and it never really happens. Yeah, they, I'll never forget. So I, I well, we, I guess we were the first group to see it. And that, like, New York premiere. And Guillermo del Toro was there. And, and, I, and I, I, I didn't, like, clock it as weird at the time but he kept saying that same thing about like i wanted to make a a, a monster movie where there's no monsters except the humans or, or whatever the exact quote is that he said but he said it several times in the introduction and then like afterwards and i it kind of made me realize like the movie also says it a little bit more than i need like like show don't tell me like the movie yeah. the movie is very clear about that and like you know if you had any doubts of it they they really goddamn hammer it home and that totally unnecessary last scene you saw coming about 90 minutes earlier but it's not bad it just should be better the, the assistant is julia garner's excellent it's deeply upsetting it's it's efficient um it's a it's a it's a high quality indie and number ones flea or wolf walkers <sighs> killing me ryan because i haven't seen flea either um mm-hmm. But I think it's on Hulu. So apparently all my blind spots are on Hulu. Yeah, you I will, I will get to on it. Hulu. Yeah, apparently. Um, I did really enjoy Wolf Walkers, though. It was my favorite animated film of that year. So I'll go there. No question. Um, I like both of these movies less than the average, but not with any good complaint. Just two movies that bounced off me a little more than most. But I'll go Flea. Not by much. They're both good. They're both probably great. They just didn't register as great to me, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, quickly, since we mentioned it, she said trailer. Uh, what if Spotlight but Harvey Weinstein? Um, it's gonna. I'm. I'm sure I will be seeing it soon because I'm going to be at Telluride and possibly Toronto. Which I guess maybe this is news. If you follow me on social media, you know I'm. I'm going to Telluride this year. So awards radar will be at the exclusive place, um, and I'll pay for it the rest of my life. Um, but. I would be shocked if she said isn't there and it'll definitely be a Toronto, which I may or may not go to. It's like, it's, it's that type of film and it clearly gave off like spotlight vibes, but I, I do wonder what the reaction's going to be because if you just take away what it's about, both actresses look excellent in the movie. Like it looks well made, but I do wonder if the end result will be somewhat of a, like, I don't need this in my life, which I hope that's not the case. Cause I think just as a movie, it looks very good, but I, it's hard not to wonder what the, the end result was going to be give or take how they address the, the elephant in the room. Like it, it could be a movie that very clearly states like this is one of many. And you know, there's a lot of work to do, but if it doesn't do that, I think it's despite probably being a good film is going to get creamed. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I think I'm actually less interested in it now that I've seen the trailer than I was when it was just sort of an ethereal concept. Yeah. I agree. I think the two lead actresses are going to be very good in it. There's something 
I don't know. You know how like sometimes SNL or some other sketch shows will do like a parody of like um like a certain film genre and it'll be like you know like investigative journalist the movie and it'll be like all yeah. like the kind of cliche dialogue that you would hear in a trailer for something like this there were more than a few lines in the trailer that struck me as that kind of thing where it's just like this is the very basic like you know investigative journalism sort of tropes and the beats that we're hitting and i'm i'm hoping that it doesn't play that way but it i don't know something about it came across as kind of like static and kind of not especially cinematic and obviously you know trailer you're only getting like bits and pieces but then beyond that there is the sort certain icky factor of like you know this all was only a few years ago and it's you especially because it's very much been positioned as an awards contender there is a certain icky factor to the idea of hollywood sort of patting itself on the back for having solved this problem that is in no way solved um, and I'm hoping that's not what the movie is, but the trailer doesn't exactly completely assuade any worries that that is what it's going to be. Yeah, the the trailer seems very much like it's trying to introduce the concept of, of this movie to people. Um, it doesn't seem like it was made for us, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it, it was definitely made for people who don't know this exists. And like, oh, they made a movie about putting Harvey Weinstein in jail? All right. Um. Because otherwise, like you said, it, a lot of it feels like it could be vaguely self-congratulatory when it shouldn't be. I don't think it I, – I, I would be very surprised if it was just because it would seem so off-kilter. Also, it's made by four – like it's it's written by a woman based on a book by two women, two women playing those women in the film directed by a woman. Like I would be very shocked if that's the avenue they take with it just because – not no one feels like we've done it but if it's kind of like this was the first you know like pin the fall to start you know the me too movement and to at least have people like be willing to say this happened to me and someone should be held accountable like if that's what it's doing then it'll be on firmer ground i just don't know that we'll know until we see it right so like i'm keeping it on my list of like predicted nominees because also let it never be said that Hollywood won't honor Hollywood. So it's not like that won't happen anyway. You know, nothing is more in vague in vogue than like hating Harvey Weinstein. So that could certainly well, happen. Well, and yeah, to be clear, like even if it's like awful and terrible and icky and disgusting and the worst version of itself, that is absolutely not a barrier to entry in terms of it getting a lot of nominations no, no. because the subject matter is enough that I think certain people will feel maybe even obligated to honor it because like, Oh, well, you know, this is dealing with an important issue in our industry. And like, I mean, I I want to give it the benefit of the doubt because you know, all the people in it are very talented, but it is the kind of movie that could easily not be as good as it should be, but still skate by on the subject matter alone. Sure. It's a, it's a plan B film, which is optimistic. You know, their hit rate is much higher than their miss rate. Um, and their misses usually are interesting misses. I'm look. I'm looking now just to see like, what's the worst film Brad Pitt has produced? Just as a way of looking, like, because he really didn't produce until like The Departed, like until they kind of started Plan B. Yeah, like, he didn't. He didn't really have an interest. And well, we do sidetracks. Let's just go through this. Also, he has 69 current producer credits. Jesus, nice. I also, I also feel like he's like never, never produced another film, Brad Pitt. 
I think he would like that joke. What little I know about him as a person, I think he would chuckle. And then, like, go about his day. But let's see. The Departed. Running with scissors is bad, but, like, you didn't know it was going to be bad. Um, Year of the Dog is fine. Mighty Heart is fine. Also, I believe he was dating the star at the time. Assassination by Jesse James. I'm skipping some of these. Private Lives of Pippa Lee is fine. The Time Traveler's Wife, I like, but I know it's kind of like, it's considered a mess. Kick-Ass. Eat, Pray, Love, I think is terrible, but I know that people like it. There's things he's in, like Tree of Life, Moneyball, Killing Them Softly. World War Z, Kick-Ass 2, 12 Years a Slave, Fury, Selma. He produced Selma. Okay. True Story. There's a good, like, thoroughly forgettable like whatever film not bad but just didn't offer me that much but i wonder if that might have been because it was a kind of seen as like a jonah hill vehicle maybe because he and jonah hill had a relationship that helped um by the seas bad but also he was having sex with the star and director so that helps um big short moonlight lost city of z he was supposed to be in that one okja war machine isn't good but he's in it Brad's status is okay. Beautiful Boy is not great. Beale Street, Vice, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, Ad Astra, The King, which is also um, showed, the guy he worked with, Kajillionaire, Minari, Irresistible, I guess, is the one people would go with, right? The Jon Stewart movie? As the weakest uh, of the group. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple in there that could sort of, you know, it, your mileage may sense. vary. There's not one here where you're like, oh, that was misguided from Jump. Yeah. So that that's kind of what I was getting at. Like everything there, you understand why that would start would happen. Why they would oh, totally. make that movie. So that so at the very least it makes me think that on the script level and on a development level, like everything is done with the right intentions here. So I hope that means we're not getting the like, guys, we did it. He's in jail. Um I will also say it's the the movie is adapted by the writer of Disobedience, which is a movie I love. Um, which, which one is that? That's the one Rachel Weiss and Rachel McAdams. Oh, Alexander sure, sure, Devola. sure. It's a great movie. Um, actually, um, Rachel Lankowitz also wrote Ida, oh, which I did not okay. know. Interesting. This is a better uh, screenwriter than I thought. Um, and also Colette, which was fine. And one of the small X things, actually. Oh, fair enough. No, it was in the writer's room. I guess technically wrote all of the movies. Didn't realize they did it that way. Cool. Yeah, well, time will tell on that one. But I'm I'm like cautiously optimistic, I guess. So we'll see. Yeah, um, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'll certainly be annoyed if I am have to see it and it's terrible. Well, not have to, but you know what I mean? If I'm in a festival environment and it's bad, it will be upsetting. Right. Because... Especially when they immediately go, what'd you think? Um, Nicholas Landry, showdown. Happy MLB All-Star Week. The game just ended as we're recording this. Field of Dreams or Moneyball? I say Moneyball, but they're both great films. Uh, I'd say Moneyball for sure. I I like the the behind-the-scenes aspect of it. In the same way that like, I like Draft Day. I know it's kind of like a slightly janky film, but that version of sports and listen i love almost all sports and a good sports movie i kind of like the the how it gets made aspect of it as opposed to watching the sport 
because the well, fake I think those of are the, the kind that I gravitate to as well, because I, yeah. you know, very much on the record as not being a sports guy. But yeah. yeah, the sort of behind the scenesiness of it. I think that's why Moneyball is probably my favorite baseball movie, just because sure. it's not really about baseball. It's about the behind the, you know, the workings of it. Totally. Um, K Fleet 208, Filmaholic Face Off, Best Supporting Actor, Winner Movie, Winners Movies, in honor of Daniel Kaluuya being a note. Sort of tilling the soil for later. Um, can you do film first and then the supporting actor performance second? Sure. Cool. Uh, I feel like we often get into that anyway, yeah. but yeah, we can make a point of it here. Um, Coda versus Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, I mean, Coda's very good, and I love, love, love that Troy Kotzer won because not only was he my favorite from that lineup, but it's just the kind of performance that, like, is so great, but that you just never think like at the beginning of the season that that's the one that's going to go all the way. So the fact that it had that sort of narrative about it made it even sweeter. Um, That said, Judas of the Black Messiah was my favorite film of 2020. And Daniel Kaluuya is one of my favorite acting wins of the last few years. Um, So for both film and performance, I'm going to go with Judas. Uh, I'm doing the opposite, but not for lack of quality. Judas is quite good, um, independent of us knowing one of the writers. The movie's very good. Um, if one of my few issues with the movie was I kind of wanted a little more Kaluuya in it. Um, but that's also, a, I think, a marker of him being very good in the film and having a, a screen presence to him, um, which I'll, I'll talk a little bit about when we talk about No, But I think his like ability to underplay things is surprisingly compelling. You know, like, like he goes big sometimes in judas but he also is is very like low-key in elements like i think he's at his best when he's low-key and that's a very interesting skill in an actor you don't often see it uh, so yeah. while i am going coda um, it's not for lack of uh enjoyment uh this is gonna be a hard one once upon a time in hollywood or green book oh jesus <laughs> um... in its defense i guess mahershal is the least bad part of green book no, totally. He is good in the movie. and I mean, he's always good. Yeah. I don't think it's a performance that should have won necessarily, but I don't. Or been nominated. <laughs> or even been nominated. Well, that goes for the film as a whole, but here we are. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, oh, God. Anyway. Say it. <laughs> no, I just, Green Book is just such a fucking, especially the same year that we got stuff like Black Panther and Black Klansman and just like, oh, God, what were they thinking? I remember watching that movie, came out of it and went, I think I like that movie. I'm glad it's, it's not, not like an awards it's not movie a or bad anything. movie per se. Like it's entertaining on its own merits. But the second you put it in the same room with basically everything it was nominated against, you're like, what are you guys even talking about? Exactly. This shouldn't be that. in the top 30 of the conversation. Yeah, remove that. There's like, like no one's claiming that like it's. Like it, ha- like, it has its heart in the right place, which I think you have to keep in mind for a lot of these things. Is it sloppy? And does it have any, like, response to, like, so you made a white people cure racism by being friends with a black man movie, and they don't have a response. In 2018, because, too. Yeah. But, you know, there, that, there's nothing wrong with making just a, like, buddy comedy. 
that that deals no. with a little bit of this stuff. I mean, I it, think- it just the problem with it is it tries to bite off way more than it can chew. Well, that's the thing, and that's what ironically got it to win an Oscar is that people mistook that for being important. Whereas I think if they had more properly kind of like backed away from some of that stuff, and we're just we're just telling a mismatched movie, you know, and like maybe a tiny bit of subtext about what's going on. It wouldn't have sniffed the awards race, but I think people would have had much less of an issue with it because it would have just been a pleasant experience and like, yeah, it's nice that they're friends as opposed to you have that reaction on the one hand and the other hand you go, it's really icky that I like this movie. Yeah. Um, On the other side of things, we have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I really like about. 70% of it, and then it just all falls apart for me in the last 20 to 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, But Brad Pitt is really good in it, and if he was going to win an Oscar for any of his films, that's as good of one as you're going to get. So even though I've talked a lot of shit about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's pretty low on my Tarantino rankings, but the stuff that works in it really works. And I do think Brad Pitt's performance is a very good and worthy one. So reservations aside, I will go Hollywood for both. Oh yeah. Very easily both for me with this. Um, I'm higher on it than you are. I do remember watching it. And during that scene where you start to go, wait, really, this is what we're happening. I did feel the audience, him lose the audience, but then he got it back at that screening. And I thought that was an interesting experience because normally when you lose an audience, you're done. And I, I'm like, he, he didn't necessarily lose me, but I was definitely going, wow, this is a different movie we're in. And then I came back along with the audience, but like, yeah, even if you don't like the movie, it's hard not to love Brad Pitt in it just because it's such a movie star charisma performance. Um, I do still wonder what Tom Cruise would have been like in the film. Yeah, I, I would have really liked to see that. I think he would have brought it. It would have been a different performance, but I think he yeah. definitely would have brought something to it. I think I think we need something like that in the future from Tom Cruise. I'm glad we didn't lose the the Brad Pitt performance just because it's kind of him at the height of his powers. For in sure. A, in, a, in, a, in a way where also he's not asked to carry the film. Like it's it's sort of interesting how by being a supporting he's a co-lead, but like by essentially being supportive of another person in the movie as opposed to being all on his shoulders he just looks like he's having a good time and and just enjoying being in this character and that's that's always great yeah um so yeah easy one next up three billboards or moonlight uh back to mahershala um yeah three billboards is a movie that really fell flat for me i I love the filmmaker and I wanted to like it and I, I was excited going in, but that's one of those ones where I think the plot thread that they introduce at the very end and sort of like leave the movie on, I'm kind of like, that should have been the movie. Like, sure. cause everything building up to it is just kind of like this very sloppy sort of heavy handed misguided sort of, it's trying to deal with a lot of social issues and race and all these other things. And it just, it's, it doesn't have, I think the um, the finesse to sort of handle any of those subjects with any level of intelligence and the performances are good, but everyone in it has been better in other things. Um, I like that Sam Rockwell is now an Oscar winner. I really sure. enjoy that, 
But I also, there's a part of me that's like, he couldn't have gotten it for like Moon or something like that. Yeah. I mean, he got um, one for Vice. So keep that in ugh. mind. Well, okay. No, that would have been worse, no doubt. Yeah. Um, Moonlight is a, a great film, I think. It wasn't like my favorite of that year, but it was definitely in my top 10. And it's one that I think it's an important Best Picture winner. Totally. And I think there's a lot to be said for um, uh, Mahershala's performance in that, that even though he's only in the first third, like he really leaves an impression on the movie as a whole. Um, yeah. to the point where whenever you see like clips of it or like whenever it's featured in some sort of montage or whatever, it's almost always scenes with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'll go with Moonlight for both. Um, I'm going to split, interestingly enough. I'm going to pick Three Billboards as a film, but Mahershala as a performance. And they're both, everything about both I, I like, but for different reasons. I loved Three Billboards at the time. I think it's an interesting film in that any consideration of it doesn't do it any favors. Like in the moment watching it for the first time, I thought it was brilliant. The more I thought about it, the more I went, I didn't love that part. And that doesn't relate to that. Like the giving it a close examination does it no favors. I think it works best kind of like hitting you quickly with like, oh, this and like, you know, uh, Sam Rockwell's racist character. The less you think about him, the better. The more yeah. you, 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 you think afterwards, like, well, how much does the movie sympathize with him? And how much do I want the movie to sympathize with him? Doesn't do it any favors. In the moment when he throws Caleb Landry Jones out of the window and goes, I got problems with white people, too. It's just a funny line. Like, it's enjoyable in the moment. The more you think about, like, oh, so he's just an awful person. <laughs> it's, it's not even that he's a racist. He just hates everyone, which, is that better? Like, wait, I'm supposed to think that's better? <laughs> um well, so that's I why know. I think, you know, the hypothetical sequel that it sets up that I know will never, ever happen sounds more interesting because if it's meant to be kind of a redemption arc, yeah. he's like barely started it by the time the movie ends. And I feel Which like I, having all this as like a backstory and then going like doing a road yeah. trip with those two characters, I think could be a really compelling and interesting premise for a movie. But yeah. I think what we got is just... And also, I fucking hate the Woody Harrelson character and the whole thing with, like, the suicide note that tells everyone to believe in themselves and be the best versions of themselves. Like, that's just Yeah, the suicide note wasn't bad great. writing. I thought he was good. And I kind of like the interesting, like, well, we're just removing a really interesting character from the story. It's just, it's a bold move, so I don't have a problem with it. But it, it, it weirdly, like, didn't help the plot. Like, I wasn't sure why they decided to do it. Beyond the, like, won't this be, like, a shock? Because um, he didn't, like, help her. He didn't hinder her. He kind of was just like, well, not my problem anymore. Well, he kind and, of, like, by the end of it, you're like, well, what was the point of that having that character in there at all? <laughs> exactly. Besides, like, you could have you could have easily solved that with, like, I get it, Woody Harrelson's a good actor. And, like, it's a well, it, like, the character is interestingly written because he's, like, vaguely friendly with her. And, and puts up with her a lot more than the rest of the town. But it could have also been like an old man sheriff who's like, I'm retiring or dies. You know, you could have gotten a lot of similar mileage out of it to just remove that obstacle. Because um, then you get the the replacement guy who fires Sam Rockwell. And like there, there's there's it seemed like it was a weird mechanism that that could have been done differently. Uh, yeah. But yes, I do. I would actually like to see that sequel because I, I am interested. Like that was the thing. I, I think part of it was 
it left on such an interesting note of like, oh, these two like damaged like bad people are are trying to do good, and they and they might start by like taking out a worse person. I'm in. Um, yeah. Moonlight's a really good film. I don't think it's flawless, and I remember it was my number eleven that year, so I was a racist. So me and Sam Rockwell, same thing. Um, the only thing I dinged it for at the time was I didn't love was it Naomi Harris's character, the, the, the drug addicted mother. Yeah. I felt like that was a cliche in a movie that was devoid of cliches. Like everything else was a, a type of depiction I hadn't quite seen before. And hers was something I'd seen several times before in good and bad movies. And I just, right. I wish that was like, and I get it, it's not like the most essential part of the film, but like one tiny rewrite on that character and, and you would have been there and I would have gotten what everyone else got out of it. Um, in any event, Mahershala Ali is great. Sam Rockwell is very good too, but I'm, I'm down with Mahershala. Um, next up, Bridge of Spies or Whiplash? Okay. Um, I like uh, Bridge of Spies quite a bit. Um, I don't think it's amazing. And, you know, I, I, I understand the Mark Rylance backlash, even if I don't agree with it. Um, I, yeah, well, that's exactly it because I think he he is the standout performance in that film. Absolutely. Yeah. If you and, remove if you remove Stallone's like the love of Stallone in that character, not even Stallone, and you take out more, uh, Mark Ruffalo that year, I think nobody has any issue with it. Exactly. Anymore. But no, I, I I like both the performance and I also like uh, the win because like as a result of that, Mark Rylance is kind of like a very in-demand character actor now, and we get stuff like The Outfit, where he really gets to sort of flex his muscles, and I enjoy seeing that. Um, that said, um, I just Whiplash. blanked. What's, what was he? Whiplash. Oh, Whiplash is fucking amazing, though. Yeah. Whiplash is, like, so fucking compelling from, like, beginning to end, and the last 20 minutes in particular are, like, one of the best finales I've seen in a movie, like since it came out, it like it still hasn't been topped. J.K. Simmons, like it's a career best performance. It's one of those like a character actor who has like a great body of work, but at the same time, it's not a gimme win by any stretch. Like he yeah. fucking puts in the work, and it is such a well deserved win. So yeah, without hesitation, Whiplash for both uh, film and performer. Same, almost exactly the same thoughts that you have. It is rare that you hear someone, you know, at, I guess, uh, at Sundance when, when people were just like, oh, he's going to win the Oscar. And you're like, oh, okay. You just want to be like first. And then you watch the film and go, oh, no shit. You're right. Like that there, once you see that performance, like, yeah, there's no way anyone sees that and isn't voting for it. That's just common sense at that point. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, he's, uh, Mark Rylance is the standout in Bridge of Spies, which is otherwise a perfectly fine movie. Um, Anything I remember about that film is his kind of like smart ass remarks to uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Like what was the, what was the, what's the scene where like uh, he's telling him like, well, you're not an American citizen and you're not a Soviet citizen either. According to like your boss, I just, I just, I just love the response being, well, the boss isn't always right, but he's always the boss. Like, just like he's treating it like an office job and, yeah. and the, and the recurring line where he goes, would it help? Yeah. Was it like, don't you ever worry? Would it help? Um, that was when I, that was the thing where I'm like, okay, th this is a good movie. Cause up until then I was like, I, the Coen brothers wrote a Spielberg movie starring Tom Hanks. And I'm, I'm kind of like, this is fine. And every time that would happen, you would go, oh, that we go. Or like 
that Tom or like Cruise, how Tom, he has a he has a cold in the whole exactly movie. I was to say, like he has like allergies or like a cold the entire time. It's just a nice like moment to be like, oh, this is what makes it a little different. Um, let's go a little quicker through these. Um, not for lack of interest, just I know we're gonna we don't need to do two and a half hours this time. Uh, Dallas Buyers Club or Django Unchained? Oh well, th- this will be a quick one. Uh, Dallas Buyers Club is a film I liked at the time, but has definitely soured over time. And I, the fact that we now have to endure Academy Award winner Jared Leto is like insufferable to me. He's still good in the movie. I don't think he's bad in the movie. I don't think it's good that he was cast as that character. Yeah. And I think that robs it of a lot of authenticity that, you know an actual trans actor might have brought to it. It's but, even beyond that. It's more now that just everything he touches, people assume has some prestige. And we've, we've like tiptoed around two bad performances getting nominated now. Yeah, I know. I like, God, and and we have to deal with the Morbiuses of the world. I just like, I, I kind of resent the movie for unleashing this version of Jared Leto on us. Cause sure. now we have to deal with your house of Gucci's and your little things and all this bullshit. And, there's going to I know like I've been able to get around some of them, but there's going to eventually be something that I really want to see. And he's going to be smack dab in the middle of the ensemble. Like if I had been excited for House of Gucci, I yeah. would have been pretty pissed. Uh, I mean, I was pretty pissed because I still watched it and it was fucking atrocious. But sure. either way, it's gonna be um, super worse for you when Morbius shows up. God damn it. Don't even joke. Mm-hmm. Um, Django's good, though. Django is probably my second favorite Tarantino movie. I really, really like it. I just think it like it's so entertaining and it's yeah. so like compelling moment to moment. And Christoph Waltz, like the fact that like he won like pretty much back to back Oscars working with Tarantino, one is like the most villainous villain and one is like a very sympathetic and heroic character. Like, you know, he may never give a performance as good as those two. But like, what a peak and like, totally. you know, what a footnote in Oscar history. So and I, I he's just so entertaining in the movie. So, yeah, Django for both film and performer. Agree. I, same same thought process. I, I get less caught up in in should someone have played the role. I know we're, we're in that era now, but I, I don't like to go back and think about it as much. But yeah, I, he, he's very good in the in the film, but we've took the complete wrong lesson from that in many, many ways. Um, McConaughey is good. The film is fine. Like that, that was just always a film that was going to do about what it did as long as it was competent. Django, you know, not many other people are making that movie and making it work. So degree of difficulty also helps. Um, Next up beginners or the fighter. Um, Oh, (laughs) I like Beginners. I don't know that I love it. I I love that Christopher Plummer did win an Oscar. But I think there's a couple of other performances that come to mind that I'd kind of rather he win it for. Like The Insider is always my go-to, but there's plenty. Mm. He has an amazing resume. Um, The Fighter... (sighs) It's an entertaining movie and i think christian bale is very good in it and like for a performance for him to get his oscar for i think it's a very solid one i don't know ah yeah it's a this hard one's one all, than you think this one's hard because i don't know that i have very strong feelings about either one no uh um, like, my, like my favorite part of beginners is still the dog talks 
Yeah. I think I'm going to go beginners for both, mainly because I am just glad that Plummer got one before he yeah. passed. I'll go beginners for film, though they're, it's pretty much tie. And then I'll split and I'll say Bale for, for acting. They're both great. I don't know that either were, was my pick, per se. I'd have to go back and look, but like you said, great that they, they have it for it. And like, if you're going to play a clip from their Oscar winning film, like you could do a lot worse. You can do better, yeah. but you can also do a lot worse. Uh, Inglorious Bastards or The Dark Knight? This is a tough one. Oh, wow. Um, Inglorious Bastards is great. That's top three Tarantino for me easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then again, Kristoff, like, what a performance. I mean, interestingly, you have here probably two of the best villainous performance, like, since the turn of the century. You also like, have, I think, two of the, my, in my top 25s. I think they might be in the top three. I'm sure. pulling it up right now. I'm pretty sure they're in my top three. I mean, and they would be deservedly so. Like, in many ways, both performances, you've seen so many characters since those movies came out that have sort of attempted to recreate those kind of characters but it's never even close to as successful that's actually um, why I, I i yeah christoph waltz is my number four ledger's my number one but i actually am considering going waltz just because we've seen so many jokers at this point it's worn off a little bit i don't know if that's what you were going to say but i feel like it's worn uh, off a little bit of me i mean my thing is, I would I would be fine if we went like ten to twenty years without ever seeing the Joker in a movie. I know that's not going to happen. No, we're going to go two years. But, but the care, I doubt we'll even get that. Um, but I think the character, some of the shine has definitely come off. But I don't think that impacts Ledger's performance in any way because mm-hmm. it's so singular. And even sure. within the film itself, let alone just in the pantheon of the wider universe, it it's so much this phenomenal creation and it has that added layer of sort of, you know, romanticism and mystique because it was his last completed role. And, you know, it, it has so much weight to it. And the dark Knight is just like a brilliant, like, you know, it it was the height of superhero movies for a very long time. And for many people still is, um, they're both great. They're both among the best of the, what they're doing. I think I'm going to go Dark Knight for both. I'll go Bastards for film. Not by much. I'll, I'll go Ledger still, just because I, I I have listed him as better. <laughs> like, on paper. Probably should do that still. But yeah, they're, they're, they're both amazing. Like, my top five um, supporting actor winners are iconic to me. Ledger, Kevin Kline, J.K. Simmons, who we just talked about, Christoph Waltz, and Robin Williams, who we're going to talk about in a little bit. Spoiler alert. Mm. Um, before we let's finish these up though uh, no country for old men little miss sunshine um i really like both of these movies i don't especially like the alan arkin oscar win that one very much feels like a career thing but i think like if you're going supporting actor in that movie i would go steve carell i would probably even go to paul dano before i would get sure. to arkin i just don't think he really stands out in that ensemble they, i think they he's good after oh totally i think he's good but i don't think it's an oscar worthy performance by any stretch of the imagination they got caught up in the moment of liking that film and it was hard I, not to be charmed by like fuck a lot of girls Dwayne. i guess you know, but i think i think they love me, like grandpas. 
the big story from that one was, oh, Steve Carell is a really good dramatic actor. And sure. we've seen that reinforced again and again since. But that was the sort of, oh, he's not just the 40-year-old virgin or the guy from The Office. He's like a really commanding presence on his own. And the fact he's, that he didn't even get a look in was kind of surprising to me. He's he's welcome to Marwin. God. Well, and, <laughs> you know, he, he eventually got there for, for Foxcatcher, which is totally. – a very good performance in a very yes. okay movie. Oh yeah, he um, wanted that bad, so that helped. Yeah. Um but on the flip no side, No Country for Old Man, great best picture win and great supporting actor win, Javier Bardem like he's played several variations on that character since, but there's a reason that one sort of sticks in people's minds. So yeah, I'm going to go No Country for both. Uh, I'll go Sunshine for film, but I I can't I can't deny Bardem even if I like like that film more than I love it. He's he's great. Um, Alan Arkin is fine. I, I, he's for the longest time, how I describe my grandfather, people just like a little bit of sunshine grandfather, but no drugs. That was like a really interesting, like people got what I meant. Um, the performance wise, it's, it's good. It's just, you know, stack it up with like options that year. And, and it, yeah. it doesn't look amazing in hindsight, but it's cool that that's, Oh, his win. And like that film deserves things. So like no issues. Um, next up, I wonder if we're going to agree on this or not. Uh, Syriana. And Million Dollar Baby. I, I, well, I don't know. Because I um, don't like Syriana. Well, here's the thing. I do like Syriana. I don't like Million Dollar Baby. Like, I know that. At all. Yeah. Uh, I like that my, Morgan Freeman has an Oscar, but that's very much an Alan Arkin thing where there's so fucking many performances that he should have gotten it for. And, st- and that one is, it's yeah. not that it's a bad performance, but I think it's fine at best. And that's kind of how I feel about the movie as a whole. Like, I don't hate it, but, like, I came away – I watched it after it got all its wins, and I just saw nothing in Ter- there that was, like – Terrible is- terrible way to watch that movie also. Yeah, probably, gotta, but – Got got to see it. Yeah, I had to see that one before the acclaim or before, yeah. like, the, the award stuff because then you start looking for things. As a general rule, it takes a, a really top-tier film to get over that. To live um, up to it, yeah. yeah. But, e- so but I, even in even with that said, like, there's other films that I've watched after the fact. Like, well, because pretty much any Oscar movie that came out before I was born or before I was really watching sure. this thing, and there's many of them where I'm like, oh no, that deserved it, or oh, that's awesome that this got recognized. That one, I just had none of that. Yeah. Um, Syrian, so, I actually really enjoy. Like, it's it, it reminded me a lot of something like Traffic, which makes sense yeah. as the same screenwriter. And um, those kind of ensemble, everything is connected dramas that you don't really see anymore. And I actually think the George Clooney win is really cool because it's a very out of left field sort of turn for him. And, you know, I don't know that he's done a character quite like that since. So Uh, I'm going to go Syriana for both. I guess is the closest. Yeah, but even that one is much more sort of muted and straight laced. The Syriana character has a bit of the Clooney personality, but it's just like buried under layers of professionalism. Whereas the American is very, I don't want to say one note, but it's very taciturn by comparison. Sure. Um, I I would be curious what I thought about uh, Syriana if I watched it again. I just remember it, it being so unnecessarily dense, I guess, was how I felt at the time. I was like, I don't know that this story needs to be told this way, even though it's not like an amazing reaction to stuff. Um, and Clooney, I was like, he suffered and they gave him an Oscar for suffering and they like him, but I'm sure I would think more of it at watching it now. So I'd be curious to see what would happen there. 
Uh, finally, Mystic River or Adaptation? Uh, this is an easy one for me because I don't especially like Mystic River. And I think Same. Tim Robbins is kind of overrated in it. Same with Sean Penn. Uh, the, my, my favorite part of that movie is like the Kevin Bacon, Lawrence Fishburne stuff. Sure. Which and like, is like I'm fine that sp- Robbins has an Oscar, but you know. Yeah, I am too. But also like I feel like he almost took that as an opportunity to like not take acting seriously ever again because like what has he done since then that's especially memorable that's true um which you know no knock on him if he's hit the peak of success and he's happy then you know yeah i mean whatever he's um, whatever he's up to he seems to be i saw him play music once in a band his like uh whatever his band is but now like he almost shows up in movies out of obligation or something like my favorite thing he's done since then is like he has that cameo as a homeless man in uh, the Tenacious D movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, it's like, whatever. Um, yeah. God, I keep blanking on the other one. What's the... Adaptation. Adapta- oh, Adaptation's fucking great. It's one of my favorite Charlie Coffin movies. And Chris Cooper, that's a really solid, like... You know, he's had a great career with a lot of great performances. But that's one that's really, like, funky and interesting and kind of quite different than a lot of the characters he usually plays so i love the movie i love the win yeah adaptation for both cool uh yeah same same for me um before we talk about the stuff we've seen as to to end things i want to do a quick robin williams thing because uh lady moray asked us a question saying in honor of robin williams birthday on thursday when the podcast gets released or now when you guys hear this uh what about a top 10 of his best movies slash performances or a face-off of some of his main films once again, great work, and, and we'll keep on listening every week. So we appreciate that. Um, here's what we'll do. We'll do a, a face-off in a way. We're going to make a top ten because we're each going to pick five films. And let's see how that works out. And that'll be sort of the face-off. Let us know which five you like better. So um, I'll even give Miles first draft pick. Oh, well, you shouldn't have done that because I'm going to go with Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, I know you're going to do that. But I was being nice. Um, but snake style, so I'll get two picks now. Um, I'm gonna not my first pick in terms of what I. You know what? Fuck you, then Aladdin. Fair enough. Um, and then what I was gonna say was not necessarily my first pick in terms of what I would consider as best, but I know is popular. Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay, that's a solid one. No. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna get one that i personally really like it's not necessarily ever can put in his well maybe it's for some people it is i don't know uh insomnia i think he's great Mm -hmm. in that um i now we can go one we'll just go one 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 we don't have to go snake style anymore um i'm gonna go good morning vietnam nice uh let me do Totally not skimming through his IMDb to remind myself of totally. all the millions of movies he's done. Um, let Just me... say Patch Adams. I know you want to. I don't especially. Lee Daniels the butler? Definitely not Lee Daniels the butler. You gotta say it that way, though. It's Lee Daniels the butler. It is Lee Daniels the butler. That's yeah. that's what officially. it is. You, you know, know what I'm gonna do gonna... since... Since you got Aladdin, I'm going to do another voice role that I think is um, kind of a hidden gem is uh, Fern Gully. Okay. Um, so that gives us four apiece, right? I have three. I have, I have three also? Yeah, I have three also. All right. Um, 
I'm gonna go Dead Poet Society. Nice. So you get you do two, and then I'll do the last one. All right. Uh, well, I'm gonna throw Jumanji on there. Okay. Uh, and then one more. Why don't we go for? Hmm. I'm not gonna pick it, but I'm tempted to go AI. I'm definitely not gonna pick it. I love that. Um, I love his scene, though. You know what? Just to throw in one that's like he he has a very small part, but I like the movie a lot, and he's very good in that part. I'm gonna go with Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. Okay. Um, I was tempted to go with World's Greatest Dad because he is good in that movie. I ne- I the nearly went very very icky. I nearly went with that one, but yeah, the icky factor. I just know that it's not one that will be a popular pick. Um, so. I'm going to go with the birdcage. Nice. I know I know it it ages it is aged like oddly in that I know it's like prime for people to not like anymore but there's something about how warm it is to everyone that it seems immune from that and I'm kind of happy about that. You know, there's there's parts of it that are not the best anymore but I do, I do think there's that it's so like loving in what it's doing that it's it's hard to get like mad this movie exists for sure. Um, also, you know, Gene Hackman as a conservative senator, <laughs> the way that character ends up at the end is terrific. Um, I guess the only thing you could you could kind of ding that movie for without anyone getting annoyed at you now is kind of Hank Azaria. Yeah, it's very funny, but it's. Mm, that's broader than you need. Like, especially with Nathan Lane there doing, like, a different version of that character. Yeah. And doing it so well. Well, that that's uh, the thing, is you've got them next to each other, and Azaria just, like, very much pales in comparison. Yeah. it's At the time, it's funny just to watch. Nathan Lane is going big, and Hank Azaria is like, I see you're big, and I raise you big. And that's good for comedy. But in terms of the character he's playing, nowadays, you're like, eh. I'm laughing, but also I know it's not super cool that I'm laughing. Yeah. Um, also, that character probably was in the original and like, you know, it's of a time. Um, so I don't know how those were, would go. But th- th- I think we hit a lot of the main ones, you know, short of like um, one hour photo and, and some of those, some of his better like serious movies. And, you know, if you're real uh, partial to the Fisher King or Moscow on the Hudson or Awakenings, things like that. We hit the we hit the main ones though. I think so. Totally. Um, before we we'll do note very at the very end. Uh, Miles has some stuff he saw. So right before he talks about that, I'll quickly mention I saw a very interesting movie that I don't know if we talked about on the pod or after called I Love My Dad. Oh yeah, that you were is, you were uh, describing yeah. it to me. Yeah, I don't know if I described it to you on or off air, but it is uh, even creepier than than you than I, than I described it. Um, well done though. It's essentially uh, Patton Oswalt as a dad is he's lost touch with his son. He wasn't like a super great dad. He basically now like checks up on him on Facebook to see what's up. And his son has some some mental issues and has uh, gone through like a, a rehab of sorts. So decides he's going to block him. So like I just want to cut off my dad. And um, basically taking bad advice from a friend, he creates a, another profile to like look at his son and see what's up. But he picks the, like, attractive waitress at the diner he's at. 
and when they when his son like messages him they start talking and his son falls in love with his like catfishing father oh and and if you're wondering if there's a sex scene there is oh what Uh-oh. yeah there's a there's a there's a there's a sex scene scene but what they do is they intercut like the visual of the kid has of this like very attractive woman so he'll be having he'll be making out with her and then it'll cut to him making out with Patton Oswalt because that's the reality of what it is. Oh, it's very it's very funny while being very gross, but with a like emotional core that I was surprised by. It's a good movie. It is not for most people, but uh, it's a it's a it's a wildly interesting film. Oh, God. OK, well, yeah, I can, I can tell you you're just like. <laughs> Part of part of you is like I'm very curious, and part of you is like I don't know that I want to watch this at all. No, I mean I love Patton Oswalt, but oh, I don't know. About he's that. very good in the movie because he's just such a like bumbler, and and like it's one of those movies where you have to get. And I don't always love this either. Someone keeps making the wrong decision, and you just want to shake them and go do the opposite. Yeah, do the opposite. Um, it's ninety minutes of that, um, but it is it is very he's very good, and I I'd seen it like a week after watching young adult again. So I was on a good high of like, he's a really good actor. I want more Patton Oswalt. Seriously. Uh, But you saw a couple of movies that didn't have Patton Oswalt. So um, save the one that I've seen for sure. Also uh, for last, just because we can, we can dovetail into that from that one. Okay. Uh, So yeah, I took a break from, you know, blockbusters and thrillers and horror stuff that I usually get into uh, to see a couple of feel good movies this weekend. Um, so I guess the one that you haven't seen, uh, would be Petite Maman. Well, no, the, well, yeah, essentially the, the newest, I, I meant what I should have said was the newest one last, but, uh, yeah, do, do, do Cecile's, uh, two first. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, um, I saw Petite Maman. Uh, we actually ended up doing a Celine Shama sort of double feature cause, um, we went and saw that, and it, it's it's very lovely. It's very simple, but it's a very well-made version of what it's trying to do. It's got a unique mm-hmm. little time travel premise, but it doesn't like get bogged down in details of the how or the why. It just uses it as an emotional sort of, you know, sounding board to sort of dig into this relationship between uh, a little girl and her mother, and does so in the form of her interacting with her mother at the same age that she is. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just very sweet. The two girls have a great chemistry, apparently played by twins. Um, and, you know, it digs into some heavy emotions, but the movie itself never feels too heavy. Um, it, there's a lightness of touch to it. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff where it's very effectively told through children's eyes. Um, yeah. It's well made. It's very well acted. It's... It, it just leaves you feeling like nice and warm by the end. And it deals, even though it does deal with some heavier themes and subject matter, it doesn't ever feel depressing or like it's weighing you down at all. Um, it seemed like the, the, the two responses I saw, cause I think it played a tiff while it was there. Um, and then just, you know, throughout like last season into this season, it's a weird, like hybrid movie. And that I wasn't sure what year it was from, which is part of the reason why I haven't seen it thought it was a last year movie and just became a low priority um the two responses i've seen are it's not as good as the prior film so that's a ding on it even though i like it or it's completely different and i really enjoy it because celine siama can do a lot yeah those seem to be the two responses i 
I got from the general like, oh, I saw Petite Mama. I would say both of those responses are accurate. It's not as good as Portrait of a Lady on Fire because that movie is a fucking masterpiece. I don't know if I've ever talked about it on the pod because I saw it like sometime after it's it came out the same year as Parasite. So as far as the international conversation, it kind of got drowned out a little bit. But um, it's. So I saw, and I saw it after that whole Oscar season, but yeah, that is just such an amazing movie and visually stunning, great performances. And anyway, yeah, so we, uh, Kelly hadn't seen it before. So we went straight from Petite Maman to, uh, showing her Portrait of a Lady on Fire. And it really does highlight how good Celine is at sort of, you know, showing these female relationships. I mean, two very different kinds of relationships, of course, yeah, yeah. but they are, there's a tenderness and there's uh, an understanding that's, I don't know, it, it's very subtle and it's very simple, but it feels quite bold. And yeah, Agreed. so Petit Mamam, it's sort of unfair to compare it to Portrait because they're just, they're very much different movies trying to do different things, but they do very much highlight, you know, how talented and versatile this writer director is. And I will be waiting with bated breath to see what she does next. Marvel. No, but well, no, she would be a terrible fit. Yeah. No, no knock on her. That's just as Ethan Hawke put it this week. Uh, that is not a good system for directors generally. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, and then the other big film I saw this week was uh, Marcel the shell with shoes on. Uh, which finally came out near me. Um, And I thought it was delightful. I was charmed from, you know, the title onwards, basically. Because you see little snippets of it from the trailer, and it can feel a little twee, and it can feel a little, you know, cutesy. But once you really get into, like, the Shell's sort of daily life and how he interacts with and sees the world, it's kind of fascinating because he's actually, like, super snarky and like (laughs) has like a lot of sass to him my favorite part of the movie is there's um (laughs) the bit where he's like like shit talking the uh the people who are leaving comments on the youtube videos it's like who signed why would you sign with peace that's a weird thing to like see if other people are into no i'm actually into war and like that whole bit yeah no that that seems great and like a lot of that and just seeing like his limited understanding of the world beyond this house. And then he sort of like gets a bigger picture of like how things are and just like the way it blows his mind and the way he tries to sort of rationalize it based on the stuff that he does know. It's just, I don't know. I found it very sweet, very heartwarming, very funny. Um, You know, there's a big emotional payoff at the end that very much landed for me. That's when I like the movie. Up until then, I was kind of like, I'm enjoying most of it, but I also don't get the fuss. And finally, when that happened, I was like, okay, I, you've, you've won me over. It's now all earned. Yeah. So it took it took like 70 minutes to get me there, but it did. Yeah. I And it's I will say it's one of those movies, almost everyone enjoys this movie, but it does ask you to buy into the fact that nobody has an issue with this shell just exists and is talking. Like, no one questions it. The entirety of the movie. Oh, yeah. Everyone's just like, oh, yeah, cool. Um, um, I, and that's it. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was about to say, it's, just, it's, it's, a, it's a small, like, I, I get that you're. it's not your friend, this movie, if you go in cynical to begin with. But if you're trying to fight it, it's not going to put up much of a fight. Yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, I didn't have a problem with that so much. I do have, no. I have two little nitpicks, which are, I think, once that big emotional moment hits... 
the movie probably like it's not a long movie, but it probably could have wrapped up like five to ten minutes earlier. Like th- there yeah, was, there's no idea what to do with that. Yeah, there wasn't really a natural stopping point, and not so much that I wanted it to be over, but just like the epilogue did kind of go on just a little bit longer than it needed to. Um, and the other thing was, and this is kind of awkward to talk about, but I didn't like the characterization that the director created for himself, and it, it's difficult yeah. to know how to parse that because he's obviously directing and co-writing and starring as a version of himself but just the way the relationship he and marcel have feels almost immediately feels very like kind of voyeuristic and opportunistic and there's a lot of he'll just sit there like watching marcel very clearly struggle with stuff and marcel calls him out on it a few times and like he he helps here and there but like almost like reluctantly or as an afterthought and like Marcel's got this like journey to like find his family. That's clearly the most important thing that will ever be to him. And the guy's just like, oh, okay, yeah, well, I suppose we could do this or okay. Or like, he'll ask him some questions and just, he'll just refuse to engage. And it was just kind of a weird, like kind of off putting. It, it made him like kind of unlikable as a character in the context of the movie, but also the movie never really reconciles with that. Like, there's yeah, the big he's so passive. Yeah. Well, he's passive in a way that's like you, you, you're like putting in the work to be passive, which I guess yeah. he like you don't get enough of the character to get why he's such a kind of being a jerk in this situation where he doesn't need to be. And it kind of It feels like it was designed to just maintain the focus on Marcel. Yeah, but it, but at he the, also at makes the cost of this character being interesting or likable. Well, and that's the thing because he, that's what he keeps saying, and like I get that that's the point, but I almost wish he had no characterization if that's what it was going to be because he has just enough, and he has his own little mini arc of he's got to find a new place yeah. and he's getting over a breakup or something. But like that's not an excuse for him to just sit there and watch this show like struggle with like the most basic task and just be like, oh well, no, it's for the film. I I can't you know interfere. It's like no, fuck you, just yeah, help yeah. him out. No. Because um, then the more you, the more you start thinking about him, the more you have questions of like your Airbnb being this large house for a large period of time. Like this is expensive. Yeah, there's what what are you what documentary you did can, you make? Are you wealthy? Yeah, what are you doing that you can afford? Like he must have monetized the shit out of those YouTube videos. I don't know. Yeah, like like even if it's like a hundred dollars a day, like this is more than rent. Yeah, like what are you doing? Um, but yeah, still like largely a good film. And now he's making the Lilo and Stitch uh, live action film. Yeah, which I think will be a good fit. And I think if he's not in it, yeah. that'll definitely he'll be able to just because I think it's well directed. And I think, you know, no, he's going to be in the he's going to be in the bushes looking at Stitch all the time. Ugh. No, but I I, I think <laughs> hey, I picked the right one. At least. They they do um they do like some stop motion in it. And it's really well integrated into like the, the documentary style uh, filmmaking. Yeah, it looks good. Um, it's an animated film, though classified apparently which is oh, which is kind of cool also. that is interesting i don't know that that's remotely I, I accurate know that it's gonna but... stick i don't i i mean i have it i think in the five i i am fully expecting it to get disqualified at some point yeah that's there's just too many like what's her name from 60 minutes is like a prominent supporting character in it and like yeah you see yeah, faces will, all the time like there's no way um i i don't know what the i don't know how to parse the rules for like the loopholes but we'll see um, the only thing I didn't like besides that was I didn't like the spiders, partly because I don't like spiders, but also I didn't get the cutaway to them. 
It didn't do anything for me. I, I, th- I thought it was There's just kind of cute. Of it just kind of, fi- you know, it fills out the world and it, it sets like up a, that- Like a one-off was cool, but they don't have they don't have personality. Like they're not like sentient, essentially. So well, not in the same as... way that he is, no. But I, li- I like the way yeah. that they were made, where they're kind of <clears> these cute little felt spiders. It's interesting because Kelly hates spiders, like with a vicious passion, probably as so much as you do. you'll be seeing arachnophobia alone, is what you're saying. Yeah, probably. But, like, that's the only time I've ever seen her not be bothered by spiders in a movie. Yeah, they didn't bother me, but it was, uh, I just didn't, I would have, I would have gotten more if, like, the spiders are one, then, like, maybe introduce, like, ants or fly like other animal like other insect and then smaller creatures well you kind of do because there's the bee that keeps bumping against the windows so i think it's they're just part of of. they're just filling out the world i don't think they serve any purpose beyond that but i don't think they need to totally uh maybe i'm just trying to find meaning in things because i just saw nope well that's oh oh i see what you did there there you go um so nope um i'll i'll be vague i'll be quick because we'll talk about it next week in depth, um, probably with mild spoilers. Um, for this one, it's it's Jordan Peele's biggest film. It's his most ambitious film. It's good. Um, I think there are things that don't work here. And I don't know that I felt that about the first two films. But what works is very good. I do think, and I'll be curious when you see it, if you agree or not. I might be in the minority here. But I do think the characters suffer a little bit here um, in service of spectacle. And the spectacle is good, like the sound design, the cinematography. It's quite fenoidental. Um, the the set pieces are very good. They're very tense. Like when the movie wants to be funny, it's funny. When the movie wants to be unsettling, it's unsettling. There's a there's a couple of good misdirections. Like I know you're shocked that Jordan Peele is is kind of doing something unexpected, but there's one in particular that you'll know it when you see it that got such a good audience reaction before you got sort of like the twist of that scene that you can tell like he's, he's, he's just, he's very good at this. Like in terms of like, I don't know exactly how to describe what he does because he does a lot of different things, but like the type of storyteller he is, he is very much in control of his art. And that's, that's true here too. I just, I think in a way, and I was telling my friend who I took with me to this, that, I do wonder if eventually we're going we're gonna to say that maybe he took some of the wrong lessons from Get Out being so successful. Because Get Out has a lot going on, but I think it's pretty easy to digest. And like, tell me if you, if you disagree or not. But like, you can get what it's about mm-hmm. without struggling much. Like, it's about a lot of things, but you probably leave that movie knowing the bullet points pretty well. Yeah. You're not, you don't need the movie explained to you. It's not meant to be explained. I think us started on that other path where like if you don't know what he's getting at with hands across america he's not going to tell you and then it just becomes something that's weird and there's there's a lot of that in us um yeah i think I, I, th- I think get out is like it's it's almost difficult because i wouldn't be surprised if he has a very amazing and successful and effective filmography but like when we look back at it, Get Out will still feel like his best film just because that is yeah. such lightning in a bottle, like, you know, once in a generation, once in a lifetime, like synthesis of like, you know, execution and thesis and concept. And just that's a movie where everything comes together so smoothly and so fluidly. But like there's so much you can bring to it or take away from it. 
Us is like very much working in the same vein, but I think that one for me gets a little muddled because it's one of those things where it's intentionally vague, but they give you just yes. enough world building that you want a little bit more. And then like it, 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 it opens up too many questions that like there's never going to be a satisfying answer to. I also think it has oh, welcome. kind of a twist at the welcome. end that uh, that doesn't work because it doesn't affect the movie in any meaningful way. Yeah, no the 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 whole like it's the it's the it's the, not only what do they call them the tethered. Yeah, it's like the tethered. Yeah, it's it's the tethered. It wasn't her. Like yeah, we not only do you see a, it coming a mile away, but like she spent way more time on the surface than she did under there. It, like she's for all intents and purposes a completely different person now. So it doesn't really affect anything in the scheme of things no it was just like one more like thing um nope has more of that to me and i could be stupid it's possible that you're gonna be like no this was all very clear but there's a lot going on with animals in this film um there's a lot going on with motivations of characters that i'm i'm curious what you think that's why i think we're gonna have to maybe put a spoiler alert on next week just because I, there's a couple of things in particular I'm very curious what you think it means. And I think there's probably more than one answer to a lot of these things. But at a certain point in this two-hour and ten-minute film that I think is very good, um, there's a couple of times where I start to go, well, if you're not going to even kind of explain what's going on beyond what the film is saying, you know, like if you're not going to allow any of the subtext to be digestible, you're just giving me weird shit without a reason at a certain point. And there's a couple of things in the movie that like, even if you don't figure out what it's about still works, but I think the desire to know like why this is in this film may eventually work to its detriment. I think the, the high of it initially is very good. And I think I've only seen one or two negative responses to it so far. It's largely well liked. Um, but I am. I'm very curious next week what you're going to think about a couple of scenes in particular. Okay. Well, I'm seeing it on. Uh, so the same day that this goes out, I'll be seeing it that night. So yeah, we'll we'll definitely dig into it. But I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, and it's it's as much sci-fi as horror. I would say also. Um, there's some scary things in it, but it's 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 got more in common with like a Close Encounters of the Third Kind type situation. Okay. Well, I definitely got that vibe from the most recent trailer. So. Yeah, I'm excited to see him sort of mix it up in that way. Yeah, no, it's 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 if this is what he's going to do, making the like horror slash something, you know, I like get out was the horror comedy. Us was the the horror. Like thriller, I guess, like I, I home invasion was, kind of movie. Yeah, us us was a little harder to pinpoint. And this is kind of like the horror sci fi. Um, well, well, at least this one's also funny in some ways. I think us forgot about the humor for the most part well except uh, for winston duke's dorky dad which is one of my favorite parts yeah yeah yeah. again like when he's funny he's the, the humor almost, almost always works in these movies even I, I i the first time i saw get out i didn't like love little real powery i thought like it was a little broad for the movie i was watching but i've i've grown into that that part of the film yeah just because it's it's like it's such a big swing um that I, 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 given what the ending would have been, which is what I thought it was going to do, I always thought it was going for the Night of the Living Dead kind of. Oh ending. sure, well they really. very much sort of lean into that's what it feels like, 
which I and which then, I think makes know, the subversion that much more effective. That's once I once I realized that, like on the first viewing, I was so set up for that that I was like, oh, at least they didn't do that, even though I didn't love this thing. Then I started to realize, like, oh no, the fact that they did that is in and of itself a subversion of the thing I was kind of annoyed they were getting at, just because I've seen that a million times. Yeah. The metaphor is is very on the nose in a movie that I don't think is especially on the nose. But if that's what you're going to end on, I'm going to start to think more of you is on the nose. And yeah, I will say not, very little of this movie is on the nose just because I don't really know where the nose is. So I'm I'm fascinated if I'm dumb or if it is a, a slightly I don't know if it's as obtuse as us, but there is a, a lot to parse through here. Fair enough. Yeah, so more more to come next week on that. Um, so let's wrap up. Say where you can be followed. And um, is there an August film that you're looking forward to? Since we're, we're basically done with July now. Uh, I can check while I'm signing off. So uh, you can follow me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. Please check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula on youtube they're under aftershock pictures and chase capo respectively check out my writing for awards radar and looper uh august i mean i've already talked about three thousand years of longing that's one that i'm very much excited for even though the response has been divided um i'm looking forward to bullet train bodies 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 emily the criminal i've recently saw the trailer for looks really cool um quite good yeah i'm Looking at the oh, uh, prey. Prey looks really cool. I, I want to see a good predator movie again. Finally, I see it on Monday, so we'll talk about it next week as well. Cool. Yeah, um, I'm looking at the list as well. There are some good stuff, but I've seen them. <clears throat> this is like the Sundance month. Like so many of these films are films I saw at Sundance, or I guess at home while Sundance was happening. Uh, so yeah, I guess I guess my pick as well is Bullet Train. Just because that's the most interesting one. Uh, Bodies, 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 by the way, is good. It's just... uh, It could have gotten to where it was going a little quicker. Not a long movie. But at a certain point, you're in the middle of of what it's doing, and you're kind of ready for it to wrap up. It stretches the premise a little longer than it needed to. Small complaint, though. Solid film. Uh, Find me at... Joey Magidson, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, all that stuff. Awards Radar is on several things. Like I said, Bullet Train. Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is good. I guess you'll see the review in like two weeks. Um, other things this month that we've already have reviews up on the site. Sharp Stick, the Lena Dunham movie. It's interesting. Um, Prey will be up by the time that happens. I love my dad we just talked about. Um resurrection i believe i have up there that's the rebecca hall tim roth like not quite a horror movie but very strange movie um she's very good in that movie she plays in a uh, like a, a abused woman almost too well uh emily the criminal is good aubrey plaza is very very good in that movie um and is there anything else oh three thousand years of longing i think is fine i don't know if i'm supposed to say it yet or not did we talk about it all yeah yeah we talked about it uh, on okay on a yeah, few, yeah. Uh, previous episode yeah yeah no it's 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 fine 
like ever so slightly thumbs down. I think if you put a bullet to my head, I'll think about it. Um, you'll be you'll be a little disappointed. There's a distinct lack of genie fucking in the movie, or at the very least, less than you want, considering what you thought you were getting. Well, no, I mean it was it was a big swing prediction, but I guess I'll have to find another movie to take a big swing prediction on later this year. Just just wait for the uh, the inevitable porn parody. Three thousand years of licking. Ugh. All right, we'll be back next week. <laughs> what a great note to go out on. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Couldn't have done better. Uh, All right. Awards Take radar. Care. Sometimes we talk about movies and award stuff. Yeah, basically, sometimes. And sometimes porn parodies. Uh, bye, y'all. I feel like we we won't get the same reaction if we do that episode. No. Right, Lisa. Take care. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.